Hey guys, Jason here. Listen, I'm excited to begin a new series with you guys on the miracles of Jesus and their significance to our faith and kind of little lessons that we can pull out of each one of those miracles. But before we get started, let me say I am blessed to have everyone listening and please continue to share this podcast with your friends and family so that we can continue to share the power of God's word and continue to lift up other believers and encourage everyone in their faith. We don't simply want to know there is a God. We want to walk with Him daily. We want to have that closeness with Him that comes through you know, seeing His heart as we walk with Him and growing closer to Him and sharing our life you know, with Him. You know, Remember, when it comes to knowing Him, even the devil and the demons knew who Jesus was. Knowing is not enough, but the Word of God says that anyone who seeks Him will find Him if they will seek Him with their whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. You know, that is my prayer today, that we would seek him with our whole heart, putting everything aside and making him the priority. Jesus, reveal your heart to us today as we seek after you. Okay, guys, let's jump into today's message titled, For You, I Will. Have you ever asked someone for a favor and even though they were hesitant, they did it anyway? Maybe they said, you know, if anyone else asked me, then I would certainly say no, but for you, I will. For you, I will do it. I know how I have asked my mom for things growing up that I know she did simply because I asked her and her love for me compelled her. It is the same way with my kids, and I'm sure it is with your kids if you have kids. I know there you know, are things that I would, would have and still to this day would rather not have to do when it comes to my kids, but because they ask me and because I love them, my love for them compels me to do those things. Is there you know, someone in your life that um, could ask you to do something and you simply, you would do it because you love that person and would do it simply because they asked you to, because of who they are? I can remember a time when one of our friends didn't have the money to get their daughter a dress for her high school homecoming dance, but because of who the girl's mother was, my wife bought her the dress, shoes, makeup, etc. You know, all of it. And, you know, it was because of who the mother was. I've had people ask things of me that I normally wouldn't do, but for them I did because of who they were and who they were or who they related were related to. You know, you feel compelled to do it because you want to honor that relationship because you care and respect that person so much. That is where we begin today. Jesus's mother presents him with a problem. And because it was her, he did what only he could do. In John 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Now, you might notice that she really didn't ask, did she? She presented a problem to him, and look at his response in verse 4. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not come yet. Okay, before anyone gets the wrong idea, in the Greek, the word used here for woman does not denote any disrespect. So, 
moving on, his mother brings a problem to him and he says basically, what do you want me to do about it? Why do you come to me? It wasn't his job to make sure there was enough wine. The wedding planner uh, dropped the ball. Then, you know, he says it's not time for him yet, not time for him to reveal who he is uh, yet, or time to begin his ministry, so to speak, is, is what I'm getting from that. But to be clear, the significance of running out of wine at a wedding like this is easily overlooked in our time and culture. But back then, to run out of wine you know, at a wedding or a celebration like this was a bad thing. The family would be completely shamed and humiliated, resulting in the wedding celebration being ruined. You absolutely could not afford to run out of wine. Your status or station in that community would have been diminished You could not have, if you could not provide for your guests, especially with something as vital as wine. Nobody celebrated with water. So now we see Mary present her son with a problem. And Jesus initially opposes what she is, you know, hinting at or what she is implying. You see, Jesus, she didn't, um, should I say, she didn't just ask him outright. She told him what the problem was, knowing that he would understand what she was wanting. And Jesus doesn't want to get involved, but for her, he will. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't say, so will you do it? Will you help? She just tells the servants to do whatever he tells you and then walks away. She went to him because she needed a God-sized favor. You couldn't just run down the road to the store and buy some more, you know, and get some more wine. And, you know, and wine took a long time to make. So knowing her son, you know, and who her son was, she went to the only one, you know, who could spare the family from complete humiliation he was the only one that could save the day and prevent the wedding from being ruined. But it wasn't for the wedding party or the host that he did it. His love for his mother and her faith in him, I believe, compelled him to help her. John 2, 6-8 says, Nearby stood six uh, stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Now, we can dig into that more later. There's some deeper stuff involved in this passage but as we move on it says each holding from 20 to 30 gallons jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim then he told them now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet so the master of the banquet was kind of like the chief servant that was the person in charge of overseeing all of the the wedding preparations and and whatnot and kind of managing that kind of like the wedding planner i guess would do today so by the time they filled the jars full the water had already been turned into wine you know side note here in this moment jesus shows his power over time and space and nature itself all the way down to the molecular level without exerting any effort he completely changed the molecular structure of the water in the blink of an eye he deconstructed and reconstructed the water molecules and added other elements to it to make it into wine. The magnitude of this miracle or sign cannot be understated. He is showing his disciples that he has the power and dominion over everything all the way down to the atomic level. And time and space are at his command, for he is not bound by them. 
Now, when the master of the banquet tastes the wine, he is surprised. He's, he has no idea where the wine came from, but when he tastes it, he is amazed. He calls the bridegroom aside and says, in verse 10, everyone brings out the choice wine uh, first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you save the best till now. He is saying this wine is top shelf. It's the expensive stuff. This made the bridegroom look really good and likely elevated his reputation in that community or at least among the guests. It would have made him look classier as you know, as if he were you know, from a higher station. There's so much content here. This passage is rich in content and some of which is good for a deeper theological discussion. But for this message, let's just talk about the rich content that is relative to this message. Jesus obviously did not have to get involved here, but I believe he did He did it to honor the faith of his mother and because his father willed it. But what is so amazing isn't the science behind the miracle. It's, you know, it's when Jesus gets involved, he always takes it to the next level. Not only did he make the water into wine, but he made it into a, into a fine wine. He made it into a wine that was better than what they had already uh, consumed. The wine he made caused the other wine to look like the cheap stuff, and he did it effortlessly. Next, when Jesus gets involved, he makes you look good. He elevates you before others. He could have just turned the water into some average wine, but he made the wine so good that it blessed and elevated the bridegroom and his family in front of all the other guests, in front of the, the um, master of the banquet. But the bridegroom didn't even ask. It was Mary that brought you know, Jesus' mother that brought it to Jesus, that brought the problem to him. But because of her, he blessed the bridegroom and elevated him before his guests. Jesus doesn't do average. Extraordinary is where he operates. When you take your problems and concerns and lay them at his feet, do like Mary, leave them there and have faith that he will do what only he can do. She didn't sit there and ask him, will you do something? Or when you when will you do something? You know, she didn't wait around watching or hovering, waiting for him to do something. She brought her concern to him and laid it before him and walked away knowing that he would take care of it. And he did in true Jesus fashion, blessing the recipient beyond what was asked. When we go to him, we, do we leave, leave it at his feet you know, with complete faith that he will take care of it and will do it in a way that blesses you beyond what you uh, asked for. You see, he may not do it in the way that you expected, but when he is in control, you can rest assured he will see to it that you come out blessed and lifted up. Oftentimes, we hover over the issue, asking him over and over uh, you know, if or when he, will, he is going to do something about, about that problem. I'm not saying that you shouldn't continually pray for things that you need him to intervene in. I'm saying, do we lay it at his feet with the same faith Mary had, a faith that had no doubt that Jesus would take care of it? You might say, well, she was his mother, and that is true, but he went to the cross for me and you just like he did for his mother. He will lay down his life, if he will lay down his life for you, don't you think he cares about the things that trouble you? I believe when you seek him and take your problems and your troubles to him and ask him to do what only he can do, 
He says, for you, I will. King Hezekiah asked God for more time to be added to his life, basically. And God granted it to him, giving him 15 more years. Check out this passage in 2 Kings 20, verses 4 through 6. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Notice God says here uh, that I heard your prayers and saw your tears. God cared about what troubled Hezekiah and chose to extend his life and save, and not only that, but save the nation from its enemy. But look at the last part, he says, for the sake of his name and for the sake of his servant David. The same way Jesus blessed the bridegroom for the sake of his mother, God blesses Hezekiah for the sake of David. When we walk in righteousness and live to honor God, we bring blessing and favor into the lives of our kids and their kids and so on. When you honor God, that favor is credited to your descendants. One day, they may ask Jesus for something, and he will say, for your parents' sake, I will do it. That's a powerful thing to think about. Now, in closing, let me say this. This miracle that Jesus did marked the beginning of his ministry and would seem a little insignificant to most and maybe even silly, but when you look at it, as Jesus revealing a glimpse of his glory while honoring his mother and her faith, while blessing the bridegroom and elevating him in front of his guests for Jesus' namesake and for the sake of his mother, and the fact that Jesus cares about even the small things, all that makes my spirit rise up and rejoice at this passage. Jesus cares about what what troubles you, no matter how small. Take it to him, and in faith, leave it in his hands, knowing that he will do what only he can do. But let him do it in his time and in his way, and you will come out elevated and blessed. Thank you, God, that you care about what troubles us, even the little things uh, matter to you. Like when I was running with a friend and, and it was hot outside, there was usually... There usually isn't a lot of traffic on that road, but that day I asked you to to keep the cars coming because they created a breeze as they passed by, and without fail, you kept them coming. I was almost shocked that you cared about such a small request, but I was reminded that you truly care about people and the little things matter to you because they matter to us. God, renew our faith each day. Pull us a little closer to you. Walk with us as we seek to know you more. Teach us your ways, Lord, so that we may walk in them and bring honor to your name. Bless your people, and may we fall in love with you more and more each day. For you are the one thing we need above all else. Nothing else compares to my God, my Savior. Help us to continue to seek you first and be that city on a hill. Amen. Amen.